Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we talk about a popular TV series five episodes at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm... You know what? We're just going to push all this aside. Most disturbing scene in this whole show is the leech scene with Gendry. Sorry, I know people get beheaded, people lose their privates, all manner of horrible things happen to, to some nice people, some bad people. They're all people. The leech scene, that got under my skin. So, literally... It literally got under my skin. That's that's what we're sitting in here. If nothing else, if you take away nothing else, I don't like the lead scene. I mean, I'm out. You heard it here, folks. First, folks. Uh, <laughs> you heard it here, they're, folks. They're, they're all people. There are heroes on both sides, says Alex uh, of Here Comes the Sequel. And I'm Britain of Here Comes the Sequel. Guys, what if George Lucas had written Game of Thrones? Just... <laughs> We're not going to... I don't think we have time to, like, delve into that, but let's just... I mean, Tyler, it's basically Dune without the sci-fi elements. <laughs> and I'm Edard of House Stark, and these are my children. Zimthor, Shalada, <laughs> Scrummy, Zardoz, and Dexter I mean, Dexter. You would basically have Melisandre for the opening, like, 20 minutes giving you exposition, just staring straight at yes. the camera saying, now this is Westeros, and this exactly. is what's going on here. Dexter Jetstark. So. We are already off track. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this week we are talking about the big one. We, uh, we have reached the second half of season three of Game of yeah. Thrones. And uh, stuff happens, guys. Stuff happens in these episodes. Well, um, it does. So the episodes we're talking about are The Climb, The Bear, and The Maiden Fair, Second Sons, Misa, and there's probably another one in there. I didn't write it down. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> we, are, we are talking about The Reigns of Castamere. This is episode nine. Um, maybe the most infamous episode of the entire series. Yeah. Uh, at least it was at one point. Um, and then uh, our, our IMDb scores for the week. Uh, which are becoming just increasingly like I don't know why I did this. I do know why I did this, and we'll get to. Eventually, it will pay off. Much like oh no no I know exactly. Much like many of the this. plot threads on this show, eventually it will pay off. But for right now, I'm just like this is not useful um, because we've got eight point eight, eight point seven, nine, nine point nine, and then nine point two. Um, so obviously, Reigns of Castamere soars ahead of anything else we've done. I think that's. A point above Baylor. Oh, that's yeah. That's it's it's just it. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's yeah. probably the highest episode, rated episode on the show. Um, and so it is, it is becoming very clear that uh, the the IMDb ratings are basically just something between eight point nine and nine point two, unless it's a show where or an episode where something big happens, in which case it is a higher rating. In other yeah. words, unless it's in episode nine. Um, yeah, our writers this week, they were all written by D&D except for episode 7. Uh, George R. R. Martin wrote The Bear and the Maiden Fair. And then uh, directors, we have Alex Sakharov, who we have seen before. I think we'll yeah. see him again as well. Um, he just pops in every right, every now and then, just does a little, does a little episode here and there. Uh, fun stuff. Uh, Michelle McLaren. McLaren? Something like that. Michelle, uh, as <laughs> as her friends call her. Um, the only female director on the show, which is a, a shame. Um, she, I think, she will get a couple more next season. So we we will not see, have not seen the last of her. Uh, she wrote, or she directed, 
the seventh and eighth episodes. And then David Nutter takes us away for those last two. Good yep. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. How how you guys doing? You you feeling okay? You, yeah. You, you know, you, you're hanging in there after... Uh, I mean, I, I've seen this season enough where I'm, I'm kind of desensitized, where I get to that bit, and I'm like, yeah, it's sad, but, but like, it doesn't hurt me anymore. Sure. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, it, I was thinking about this when I was watching Randy Castamere. I somehow, I don't remember how, knew basically what happened before I'd seen the episode or even read that part of the book. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I have... Because I've now seen the episode twice and read that section of the book, and I, I, I haven't, I never had to experience it with complete ignorance going in. Right. But it says something to the power of that scene that all three times I experienced it, I was completely like put everything else down, like laser focus, and you know, yeah, it doesn't hit you the same way when you know that it's coming, but it's still just so visceral um, mm-hmm. and so just, you know. And that, that, that's a great episode even apart from that, yes. that final scene. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a testament to the storytelling in the TV show and in the, in the book that mm-hmm. even knowing what happens, I'm still like, oh, boy, <laughs> that was, that was spine-chilling. Um, I think I was kind of in the same boat. I, I, I somehow maybe it was the internet or, or something. Like I knew something bad happened, and I knew right. enough to mentally prepare myself before I got there. And I think I would have read the or watched the show first. Um, mm-hmm. but I knew enough to be like, I'm going to steal myself that something real bad. Like just assume that yeah. like everyone dies, and that's basically what happens. Um, <laughs> I got lucky. I, I, well, in a way. <laughs> I got lucky in the fact that I was completely surprised. I knew there was something back when Tyler first showed me, mm-hmm. you know, the first four seasons. I think it was right before season five came out. I knew there was something called the Red Wedding. Didn't know what it was. Didn't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. I just knew there was a thing called the Red Wedding where a bunch of people died. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea it was coming. And and Tyler set up a bunch of cameras to get your reaction. I did not. I mean, there is there is another experience that... uh <laughs> We'll get to next season that uh, fits that a lot better, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I did. I was actually completely surprised when it happened the first go around, which yeah. was, in hindsight, obviously, I, I really, really, you know, am happy that that happened. And, uh, correct. I, mean, I think I'm making. I think it was this, uh, Alex, where we watched it together, and then you. Uh, were just generally mad at me because I was very giddy about how just completely the, and like effectively the show had had pulled that on you. Like it just it just was a gut punch, and you were very uh, just like what? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it was a good time. Well, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting a lot of that my my memories of that mixed up with 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 an event that happens in season four because okay. I remember being frustrated about both of them when they happened gotcha. but you know i don't remember my my brain's fuzzy i don't even remember what happened beyond like the last two episodes of, <laughs> that we've watched so 
Yeah, um, I can go first with with best and worst episode. Uh, I sure. just we'll we'll dive right in. Um, this one, I not to not because I wanted to be like contrarian, but I did have a hard time actually picking a best episode out of the set yeah. just because I thought there were two other really really strong episodes. Uh, on mm-hmm. top of Reigns of Castamere in this set. I mean, this, I think, is easily the strongest set we've had yeah. um, of the show up to this point. And uh, those were The Climb, episode six, mm-hmm. which uh, I I want to talk about and, and dive into quite a bit because I was had my mind blown by that rewatching this. And um, I just felt like there were a lot of really, really interesting things that worked together for it. Um and then also episode ten, I think is is a really yes. great like. All right, guys, we know you, we know you're hurting. Let's just let's roll it back. Let's focus on some interesting side characters. Let's, you know, we get some humor in here. We get a little bit of drama. Uh, aside from the beginning of the episode, we're kind of taking we're taking a step back from everything mm-hmm. you just witnessed, and then we're gonna just uh, explore the other world and see kind of how some people react and have some fun and and. Try not to give you too much uh, trauma over what what the last episode did to you, um, and I think all three of them are spectacular. Uh, I've been kind of keeping track of like where I would rank episodes as we go along here, and currently mm-hmm. I think all three of those would be in my top ten for the show. Um, I just think they're they're quite good um, for for the show but, as a, the the entire series or for the season for the first three seasons. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so everything up to now, and I think at least two of these will probably hang in there the yeah. entire way, but we'll see. Um, but I am going to go with, uh, episode nine as my favorite. I think it's, uh, yeah. just like, <laughs> what more, what more can really be said about it? Um, it's, it's a really effective episode on its own. Like you mentioned, Britain in a lot of the same way that Baylor is, yeah. or, um, Baylor is just a, a great episode of, television anyway mm-hmm. and uh then you get hit with that gun punch at the end um there's this it's really like the episode where you see uh the hound and aria like become a uh frenemy ship mm-hmm. <laughs> um there, there's a lot of good banter with them uh there's some really heart-wrenching stuff where you've got bran who comes so close to meeting john and you've yeah. got Brandon Rickon splitting up, and uh, there's a ton of like foreshadowing and, and sort of painful things that you have to relive. Of, I mean, this kind of bleeds into the episodes in front of this as well, um, where you've got uh, Rob and Talisa like planning out their lives, and like Rob's yeah. like, "I'm gonna go take Casterly Rock. It's gonna be great." Um, there's there's a real upswell of. Oh, the, there's momentum. There's hope. You know, there's, Rob's gonna he's gonna beat Tywin. It's gonna it's gonna be great. Um, and the, there's one specific. Uh, there's a joke where uh, it's not. It is a joke, but then like you you realize it's it's also foreshadowing uh, where Rob is talking about Edmure's wife. Um, hmm. and how uh, he's marrying Frey's daughter, and she's actually quite pretty, and Rob's like, perhaps I've made a terrible mistake. And uh, <laughs> I just all I can think is the narrator, he had, he did, yes. <laughs> oh, I, I felt like every conversation yes. where they were talking about yeah. <laughs> that whole situation was just like, oh, yep, they they totally, why would why didn't I think of this when I was watching it? Yeah. 
Um, I'm sure we'll have more to dive into with that, but that's... I I do especially want to talk about the execution of the Red Wedding because I think there's a lot of things that just make it more painful and effective uh, in that whole scene. But put a pin in that because I know we're we're all going to want to talk about it. Um, I'm going to say the worst uh, for me out of this set was Episode 7, surprisingly, the, the George R. R. Martin written episode. Um, no, it's not, it's not bad. It's just, no. And I, I, I like what's going on with, with, uh, the Jamie Brand uh, plotline subplot in this series. I think it's, it's fun to see them interact and learn more about each other. We, we explore them a little more deeply and the stuff about him going back to save her from, uh, Locke is quite fun. Uh, yeah. the, we get a little little bear fight, which is fun. <laughs> um, but ultimately, it's it's it, that one just felt a little more um, inconsequential than any of the other ones in this set. Uh, so, uh, it's I feel like it's almost more out of placement than anything else. It just happens to be it's it's right after we've cleaned up a lot of plot lines in episode six, which I, I do want to get into, um, and then episode eight really starts drilling that. Oh, there's something coming, and you have no idea what's what's going to happen. And now, without you rewatching it, it's just very sad. Um, that really starts and ramps up in episode eight, building into the red wedding. So, I think it's just kind of a oh, we have to bridge some stuff here, and because of that, there's it's not quite as exciting. It's still a great episode of television. It's just that's yeah. how I felt. Uh, that segues nicely to mine because I also would say seven is my uh, weakest simply because for everything you mentioned like it's good it's just it doesn't have any of the kind of swell upswell moments of the other episodes and it's the one yeah. I took the fewest notes on so um, but you do have the scene where Charles Dance is talking to Joffrey and mm-hmm. he like walks up the steps and just kind of <laughs> stares him down and it's so good like, there's a couple of times in, in these batch of episodes where Joffrey's mouthing off and Tywin's like no, I'm going to put you in your place. And he does, and it's yes. awesome. <laughs> uh, I I did also, also note that scene because uh, I, I just was going to mention that it's like the one time that Joffrey is really like on his back foot against somebody. Yeah. Like he's always so... I, we we talked about this in a couple episodes ago, maybe, um, how Joffrey, and specifically Jack Gleason, did I get that right, mm. is such a great... Um, gives such a great performance. Um, yeah. And terms of being able to hold his own with all these uh different amazing actors and characters uh and in this one he's having to go up against charles dance and and he's actually like it's supposed to mean something that yeah he's now kind of cowering a little bit and kind of like oh i can't i can't quite push this guy the way i push everyone else yeah. um and it's, and it would only be if it's only effective because of how he's played the character the rest of the time so yeah uh, it's just it, it's a great scene and that Dance is cowing him not out of flattery or sweet-talking like Marjorie yeah. or Cersei, um, but he's just doing... He's re- really, he's doing the same thing that Tyrion does, but Joffrey's afraid of Tywin, and he's not afraid yes. of Tyrion. Yeah, um, right. And uh, I also noted in this episode, Blackfish has a line about... He comes in from the... It's raining outside, and he's like, this rain's gonna drown us all. And I was like... Mm, <laughs> mm. A lot of foreshadowing. <laughs> a lot of foreshadowing. And I did have a question. Um, in one of the scenes with Daenerys, it's when they're outside the uh, Yunkai, and 
Dario and the other guys, the other sellsword mercenary people, come into her tent and they see her and they're talking. And I wrote, so do they just carry that couch for her everywhere? Because they have these (laughs) massive ornate tents and these beautiful rugs and like this huge lavish setup for her. And so I guess they just two the Thraki in a truck their way around (laughs) the world. Uh, no, my no, best no, they episode. just tie they tie it to the back of one of the dragons. <laughs> yeah. there, there you go. Hey, the dragons they haven't. Do they ever say their names in the show? Yes, I, I don't know if they've said them yet, but they do. Yeah, I was going okay. to say they do okay. definitely in the show, but I don't know if up to this point they have. That's a good point. Okay, because because I, I mean in the book it was like very early. I think in the second one where they were like she named him Rhaegal after her brother and Viserion, mm-hmm. or Rhaegal after her one brother and Viserion after her other brother and Drogon after her her husband. Yep. But I didn't think they had actually mentioned it. I'm gonna say for my best oh, episode. That's interesting. I I didn't even think of like the inspiration for yeah. those things because I because I yeah. just assume it's one of the George R. R. Martin things where it's like <laughs> it sounds kind of like another thing. Just go right, with that. Right. Whatever. Yeah. No. No. They're named after mm-hmm. Viserys. Viserys Rhaegal. Oh, I kind of wish that detail was in the show. Oh. I'll be. I, I'm curious when they first bring that up because it could be they could say yeah. something like that, and I just I don't think it. they do, but, but I could be wrong. Yeah, and without stating potential spoilers or getting spoilers wrong for stuff I haven't seen yet, there's probably a reason that the ones that are named that the things that happen to the dragons happen to those with their specific names. Sure. The one named Viserys and the one named for Viserys yeah. and Rhaegar and I would agree such with that. Such. Um, for my best episode, I mean, this is kind of like asking someone who their favorite character in Avatar is. It's like, well, it's Iroh, but everyone's favorite is Iroh, so I'm going to pick somebody else. <laughs> so, yeah, the best is Reigns of Castamere. But what I'm going to say is, because okay. we're going to do a whole Reigns of Castamere section um, called The Downpour. And my best episode is going to be episode 10, Misa. I thought it was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like, that it, it's... It is a cooldown, but it starts off like the first thing you see is Roos Bolton in front of the just field of burning tents, yeah. and the the moment like the bit of the hound grabbing the the fray banner so people will leave him alone as he and Arya tried to ride away. But and then you see for me one of the most horrible haunting images of the whole series, which is Rob's corpse being ridden around with Grey Wind's head yeah. in place of his. I mean that's so disgusting and. Yep, I completely agree. There's a a thing in the book. So there's a whole storyline in the book involving Catelyn that is omitted from the show. I think we want to – let's put a pin in that and talk about that episode or next season because where it would happen in the show – Oh, is it next season? Theoretically would be because the season three and four are are both book three. Oh, that's right. That's right. So where it would happen would be the epilogue of book three, which would be the end of – Season four and season four, the end of it. You, there's kind of like a obvious we're not doing this. Point. Okay, so cool. I feel like we can we can table that and then we'll okay. revisit it. Well, then I, I will table that. But there in I I I will say in the book, the way they dis- disrespect her is they throw her naked corpse into a river in mm-hmm. uh, mockery of Tully tradition, as we saw with yep. her father's burial, where they send him off in the boat. They just like chuck her in a river, because um, they're terrible. The phrase are bad, and the and the phrase have really silly hats. I think we should all just yes. point that out. They have silly little yes. old school pilot hats. But I I really liked how the sh- the episode begins with that to remind you of as though you'd forgotten 
but then it takes you through a fairly it like makes you alert and then takes you through a pretty otherwise easygoing episode mm-hmm. um i love the whole bit I, I really love everything with Tyrion and sansa like i like the way they interact i like how Tyrion treats her or tries to treat her and i like the whole thing where she's like we could sheep shift their beds where we put sheep dung <laughs> and he's like why do we why sheep shift she goes shift is the vulgar word for dung <laughs> and Tyrion has this great face he's like Lady Sansa. She goes, you made me say it. You asked. <laughs> it's just, it's so funny. Um, I mean, just, just all through, uh, there's another Tywin and Joffrey standoff where Joffrey keeps going, I'm not tired. And I'm not tired. Spe- specifically, it has Tywin say when, when Joffrey tries to like push against him, um, it has Tywin say, I'll be sure to teach you that, I, teach you, I forget what what the context is. It's like, Mm-hmm. that uh you know how to run a kingdom or something like that um yeah. after i've finished winning your war for you it's like mm-hmm. Woo! <laughs> dang yep and then but there's I, like I, I don't think i don't think you put quite enough emphasis on the last way that joffrey says that he is not tired <laughs> well i didn't want to blow out the mic <laughs> i am not tired <laughs> <laughs> just like kicking his little fist yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just got a lot of really wonderful stuff. There's a really uh, heartrending argument between Tywin and Tyrion mm-hmm. about immediately after that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where Tywin has the lineup. We're like one of the few times Charles Dance almost let Tywin break in like really emote and really let loose. Where he's saying like, I don't know, Tyrion says something like, "When did, when was the last time you made a decision a decision for the family that wasn't for you?" And he says, "The day you were born." Which is just, uh-huh. but yeah, I mean, I just I thought that episode had a lot of really great stuff. It, it it there's a lot that we can kind of come back to and talk about it as we talk about various because um, everything all, all the other notes I have are like larger discussion points. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just really liked it, and I th- this season Daenerys continues to be like, oh right, Daenerys <laughs> because. We, we we continue like she was only in this episode at the very end of it. Yeah. But I think that placement actually does a good job of reminding you, like, hey, yes, there's this huge thing happening over with here with the Red Wedding and King's Landing and all this like two of the five kings are dead and everything. But don't forget, like, this other thing is happening where she has this massive army and now she has even more people and also dragons and like this crazy thing um and i like that when all the they're all misa and they're all mm-hmm. you know reaching out to her and and all that kind of stuff i thought that was all really really good out uh yeah I'll, I'll i'll join the group think uh reigns of castamere is the best episode uh and it's not just for the red wedding stuff i think no it no. has a lot of the most compelling moments for a lot of the other uh, storylines we're following. Like, that is the, the ultimate uh, point for John determining if he is a wildling yeah. or a man of the Night's Watch. Um, and that whole scene where, where they're confronting him over having to kill the farmer, and then he kills... Um, Orel. Uh, uh, well, I was going to say, is it Rigetti or Pentel from the Pirates oh, of the Caribbean uh, movies? Definitely uh, Rigetti. Yes. Um, but... Uh, 
you know that that wonderful moment where he kills him. He's like, "You were right the whole time," mm-hmm. and then he turns, mm-hmm. he works into an eagle, and then attacks him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great! And then Bran learns to warg yep. to, mm-hmm. to, in order to help save John. That was nice. Um, well, and, and that's intercut and also, with Orel, which I thought was cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then everything with Daenerys um, sending Jorah and uh, Grey Worm and. Worm and uh, Daria. guy who gets switched next season. <laughs> um, his name Daria. is his name is Ed Scrain. <laughs> his name is Ed Scrain from Alita: Battle Angel. Okay, and from Deadpool, and from Deadpool, um, and from If Beale Street Could Talk. I had completely forgotten about that little three man battle that they fa- they yeah. fight in. Uh, where where are we now? Is it Yunkai? That's Yunkai. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I always get. Although I was a little bit confused on the logistics because. So Dario says, like, the second sons are yours at the end of the first episode where he's introduced, right? Like, when he kills the main guy. So Daenerys – I was a little confused about the logistics of that. So Daenerys' army now includes the second sons, but they still had to go into the city to actually liberate it, right? Yes, and I think the idea was, like, the second sons were camped outside the city. Right. And so they they had to sneak those guys in so that they could – uh, get the slaves to be to free themselves and all that um okay but i had completely forgotten sense. about that that battle and it's really really cool like it's it's mm-hmm. got uh everyone uses their own things like gray worm has his, his spear and sword and he's whacking guys and stabbing guys and it's great and then um i think does dario have a hook sword like the dothraki i can't remember exactly yes. what he, yeah in iraq yeah yes and so he's uh he's slicing and dicing and uh jorah's just being jorah being burly jorah mm-hmm. and and they all it, it's very cool it's it, again we talked about this i think in early maybe season two or so um how the the show had not really grasped how to like differentiate fighters early on and, and show that people were good fighters um and i think by now it's it's really established this also in misa um with the hound we see a little bit of the yeah. hound being a boss and um, want to talk about that but um yeah that that scene is really cool and i completely forgotten that was in this episode it was neat mm-hmm. yeah i like action <laughs> <laughs> i crave violence <laughs> but, um, but yeah I, I thought this episode was just just like a powerhouse like mm-hmm. on every level i thought it worked yeah um i'm gonna i'm gonna be disappointing and not have a worst episode again <laughs> okay um I think it's all super consistent, yeah. much like the first five episodes of the season. I think this is yeah, easily the best season we've watched so yes. far through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, you mentioned the Hound uh, in Misa. I really like that the show goes ahead and gives us a little bit of vindication. Yes. Where we get, where Arya, you know, we come upon the, the Frey soldiers talking about what happened and talking about the massacre. And one guy claims to have been the one to put Grey Wind's head onto Rob's body. Mm-hmm. And then Arya, and, and he says something about like, you slipped the needle beneath the collarbone. And I was like, uh, needle. <laughs> um, and then Arya does that great thing where she's like pretending to beg for food and gives him the Bravosi coin uh, from the Faceless Men and then kills him. Mm-hmm. And then the Hound kills the other uh, three. And I really liked how that is not 
uh, full vindication. That's not a complete, like, ah, okay, and now there is justice. They stumbled across Walder Frey and... Yeah, exactly. But it's this nice bit of, okay, okay. And it was Arya, which is good that Arya Mm. got to to get just a little taste of vengeance. And that was also her, well, not her first, yeah, it was her second kill. Because I think the Hound says, like, that first man you killed, and she's like, first man. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can kill children. Um, <laughs> like taking yeah. souls from a baby. <laughs> and I, that lo- the little exchange they have after where uh, the hound's like, where'd you get that knife? And she's like, oh, I stole it from you. <laughs> and <then> he's <laughs> like, next time you're going to do something like that, just tell me. <laughs> oh, like, I'm totally with you. I'll do this, but just got to let me know. <laughs> yeah. And the way, the, the way, I mean, it's, it's exactly the same thing as Bran um, with... Uh, the Northerners in mm-hmm. either the beginning of the season or into last season, um, where she uh, massacres like three of them, uh, just with brute strength. And so yeah. again, it's it's cool to establish like, oh, these these Brienne is one character that can just power through, you know, yeah. grunts, and the Hound is another. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I like it. I, yeah, I really I... love all the Hound stuff in these episodes. Agreed. Completely agreed. And in that uh, tenth episode, we also had a really um, a moment between Roos and Walder Frey, where they're kind of talking about what all of it is and what just happened and what this means. And it's further driven home that Walder Frey just doesn't have any kind of scruples at all. Mm-hmm. Like he's just a coward who just is there. Like he just doesn't care about anything. Um, but there's a moment where Roos says something about the Blackfish having escaped, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> because I love him. And then you know, Walder says something about like, ah, who cares? It doesn't matter. But Roos has a look on his face like, mm. <laughs> actually, he's kind of, it's, it's kind of like Roos Cersei with Bar- <laughs> like Cersei with Barrison in the first season. They're like, even yeah. these guys have to admit like, eh, Blackfish is pretty good though. <laughs> like, we actually don't <laughs> want to have a, a villain in, or a, an enemy in Blackfish. Now, simply yes or no, we do see Blackfish again, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. Um, and that, good. that, that good. is a great, like, Roose is like, mm, I, don't, I don't know if that's a good idea to ignore him, but I'm going north, so... Yeah, <laughs> whatever. I don't really care. I mean... Michael McElhatton is very good as we yes. I really Oh my gosh. Um, and I want to I spring off that into a, a, a real broad uh, well of discussion here. Um, because that is one of a ton of discussions and, and like, dialogues in this uh, season specifically that is not from the books. Because um, mm-hmm. I want to talk a bit about the, the point of use. And the fa- we've, we've mentioned this yeah. before in terms of, you know, who's going to be where uh, in the books, because the books are all based on somebody as a point of view character, and we're, we're getting to see things from their right. perspective. Whereas uh, the show does a lot more with getting to see what characters are doing outside of those segments, outside of our main, you know, Starks and uh, Tyrion um, and so that's one is that we don't neither Roos or Walder Frey are a character yeah. that we see the perspective of in the books. Um, and so that's like a, a really neat and I think underrated dialogue scene that would have been entirely D and D written. Um, there was I think there were a few more in well there there's one there's a lot of stuff with Gendry in this episode. I want to put up into yeah. that because that's a whole other story in terms of book versus show. Um, but the, this is also ties into the fact that I really, really love episode six. 
Um, because I talked about in the past segment how there's a lot of just players getting put against each other in the first five episodes. We ju- we're just seeing everyone in King's Landing interact and and sort of verbally spar. And episode six feels like the uh, the conclusion to the tournament in that regard. Mm. Um, because you've got Tywin and Elena finally meet and talk, and they have a really brilliant conversation that is uh, just, like, a ton of fun to watch. They're both obviously amazing actors, and uh, they just crush it. And Old? (laughs) Old? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And they ultimately end (laughs) with uh, Tywin being like, I'll I'll put your son on the Kingsguard, or I guess grandson, on the Kingsguard if you don't, uh, you know, basically allow this marriage to happen between our children. And she's like, what a, you know, it's, it's nice to meet someone who finally lives up to the reputation. So it's like, yeah. okay, there is this, all this sparring over who was going to marry who and, and who was going to be have control of Sansa, who controls the North and who was going to have, you know, power in Highgarden, who was going to have influence over King's Landing. All of that has, has now played out and, and Tywin has won. Um, and uh, then we get to see some of the, like the losers brackets the cons- the consolation brackets um, because you you've also got th- at the bottom of the barrel in that episode you've got Sansa and Loris who are just like completely naive and they're just like very awkward and and don't really I mean they're they're nice to each other obviously and so that's sweet to see but like they have no idea like uh, what's going on and they're just kind of like well I guess we're gonna get married now and it's just a, a silly um, little conversation and then uh, you've also got uh, Cersei and Tyrion, who like are aware enough to know that they just got screwed over, but are you know also not powerful enough to do anything about it, and so they're just like venting and frustrated and upset with themselves. Um, and I think there was one more good dialogue scene. Um, oh, that we finally get the speaking of D and D's additions to the show, which Elena Tywin would have been one of them. Neither of them are POV mm. characters. Um, we also get sort of a capstone to the Littlefinger Varys uh, dialogues mm-hmm. in yeah. which it's it's really brilliant because obviously there's the, the big star of that scene is uh, Littlefinger's monologue about how chaos is a ladder and, you know, it's very infamous. Yeah. Um, but it, it it's overlaid with uh, basically scenes showing that Littlefinger got Joffrey to kill Ross. Um, and Littlefinger's explaining this to Varys and it's kind of like this escalation where it's like okay we've done all this politicking with all these different characters Littlefinger has has taken it a step farther and Varys is kind of you know taking it backwards before there was a lot of ribbing and back and forth and and, uh, banter and now it's kind of like oh oh you this is beyond like what I thought a professional would do i guess like he knows that obviously he betrays ned stark at one point but but varus is genuinely yeah. sort of uh abhorrent that he would kill a, a pawn that they were moving um right. in the the game quote unquote and so it, i mean it's it's all brilliantly written and Littlefinger talks have, has this great speech where he's talking about how uh the the throne of or the the iron throne is built on uh only like a hundred of the swords of Aegon's enemies, it's not like thousands as the people say it, which is also a great uh, 
little cheeky reference to the books where the, in the books the throne is this massive pile of uh like it is actually thousands of swords and it's insane right and i think they tried to make like a production version of it for the show early on and they were like this is not we can't yeah. <laughs> we can't use this um which is funny because now i think that the iron throne as a symbol is a lot more iconic than it was like than it would sure. have been if it was a, a giant mass of metal like it's a lot easier to consolidate and present as a well, doesn't that scene start with um, Littlefinger looking at the throne? Yes. And mm-hmm. then Vera says something about it being like a thousand swords, and Littlefinger's like, it's not a thousand. It's not yeah. even 200. No, that's, that's what I'm counted. saying. That's what the, the like, in-joke is, is that it's he's playing on the fact that in the books it is actually a thousand. Right, right, it's a, okay. In-universe joke. Um, And yeah, I think that, and that's a great that scene is great in terms of putting an a, a end on all of the, all of these politics between all these different characters. Um, and again, kind of escalating so that things are no longer quite as civil. And obviously soon after we see that Tywin has sort of cheated quote unquote and, uh, gotten the Starks killed outside of war, uh, that will continue to escalate further into the next season. Um, and so it's this great... I think this season really is the height of the politics of King's Landing and getting to see all this these people fighting and vying for power. Um, and so it's... I don't know that we ever return quite to that status quo, to a status quo where it's possible to really have something like that going on. Uh, and so it's it's neat. I, I thought that that episode was a really great finale to all of those uh, wonderful dialogues that we get throughout the show. I, I agree. There's also a really uh, one of my favorite lines of the series is in that that exchange where Littlefinger's talking about like, the, "Ooh, the chair. It's a, it's an ugly thing, but it has a certain uh, beauty, a certain dignity to it." And Varys goes, "Yes, the Lysa Aaron of chairs." <laughs> <laughs> and it's the most amazing, like, not Game of Thrones style joke. <laughs> It's so funny. But that's what I'm saying, like, though. I, I think Game of Thrones, re- that I really is Game loud. of Thrones style. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that really is what they do. But it was, uh, I just, I think I laughed out loud. I thought it was such a good joke. Yes. The Lysa Aaron of chairs. <laughs> um, but that episode also has, talking of themes, it has uh, Ramsey saying, if you think this has a happy ending, then you haven't been paying attention. Yeah. Which I thought was, uh, was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, maybe the fans uh, should have taken that to heart. <laughs> well, I, it's interesting because I feel like I remember a lot of people dismissing that or or saying, "Oh, that you know, it's coming from Ramsey, so we can't trust it," and and saying, "Oh, you know, sure, it's sure. it's going to end up being more of a traditional story." Um, obviously, this is more into what what happens later on, but I think that is something yeah. to keep in mind that like that 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 seems to be pretty <laughs> true to the the heart of things that are going on i'll say oh certainly certainly um i mean episode... at one point martin did say that at one point martin said that the the end of the series was going to be a a hard wind being driven across a gray like a field full of gravestones <laughs> so yeah i buy it um the episode also obviously it's called the climb metaphorically it's talking about little finger climbing in some way and yeah probably some other meanings that you could glean from that as well. Uh, but the the main literal meaning is John climbing up the wall, which is a spectacular set piece. Uh, the wall looks great, yeah. and it's terrifying. And they knock out a giant chunk of ice. 
uh, off the yeah. outside of it as they're climbing up. And it, and oh, it, up. it was some Tomb Raider ice play. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> we see some wildlings get uh, wrecked by it, and it's pretty cool. I, yeah. I like the. It's probably kind of cliche, I guess, but the um, set piece of Orel trying to saw them out and or cut off their rope, and John has to swing back and forth to get back onto solid footing. It's yeah. it's cool. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with a really beautiful shot of them looking over. Uh, I think they're looking south. Is the idea? And yeah, I think so. yeah. Um, which is another thing that I noticed in that episode is that. I feel like that episode and this season overall is Ramin Jawadi really coming out in in terms mm. of having a, a influence on the show and the the mood. Um, obviously, his his stuff's been great up to this point, but I don't think it's had a lot of like scene to scene personality. There there's been themes for people, there's been themes for things, but we haven't seen a lot of that really get played out really strongly. Um, and, and find its own definition and find some different music. So like in this episode, we've got during Littlefinger's monologue, he's, or there's this, uh, I don't even know what instrument it's on, uh, but it's this very sinister, like, doom, doom, doom. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, at the end of the episode, there's, it's, it's a really beautiful kind of open thing where they've gotten up on the wall and they're looking out and it's this, it, it helps set the scene of them being like, we made it. And it's, it's kind of beautiful. And let's just take a second to rest. Um, and you, I think that plays in as well as we see uh, with, I would assume he was involved in orchestrating Raids of Castamere and other such in-universe yeah. songs. I could be wrong. Um, I want to say on like the uh, soundtracks and stuff, he is credited with whoever the singers are. But uh, this is good stuff. And then we, at the I end of the, the series, we get a really fully throated uh rendition of Daenerys' theme. Um, mm-hmm. At yeah, least like a great. triumphant version version of Daenerys' theme in the Misa episode. So, yes. Lots of good stuff. Absolutely. I am... Um, we're talking about... Uh, so, so another thing, just to polish off the rest of the stuff at episode six, um, this also has Melisandre coming to the Brotherhood. And I wrote, mm-hmm. how did she get to the Brotherhood so fast? Because <laughs> she just is there. <laughs> I know there will be greater questions of how did characters travel so fast later. I don't know. I, I feel like there's but, already, there are at least a few points where I think it will be a little bit jarring. But um, sure. for the most part, I think the show up to this point has pr- played pretty fast and loose with, eh. They're here, yeah. Well, they're, and I think it's now, yeah. the thing. The thing for me that that I, I think people don't realize they're not just because a set of scenes are happening within the same episode yeah. does not mean they're happening at the same time. It's purely right. for pacing purposes for a whole season. Mm-hmm. Like the Arya stuff could be happening like a couple of months a- ahead of where Sadza is. Like we, we don't know for sure about it, the timing on, on a lot of this stuff. And obviously there's points where, where storylines kind of collide, mm-hmm. but before that, like you can't really tell. Well, and especially the show doesn't, and the show doesn't jump around and use a two weeks prior or one week prior, which <laughs> right, it doesn't right. need to do. Right. So I've, I've never really had a problem with that because I just assumed, oh, this is at a different point on the timeline and it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Well, I have a problem with it necessarily. I just thought it was curious. Um, it is yeah. neat. And there's been some other cases like that. Um, 
I'm trying to remember. I, what the I, I would say there's, there's probably some more egregious examples later on. And, and the reason yeah. I'm bringing it up as a point, Britain, is because a lot of people complain yes. about that, particularly yeah, in later yeah. seasons. So, right. Because yeah. I remember hearing just that that was a thing, but I didn't know that. The it's, it's definitely present here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but, so, but within that, she goes to the Brotherhood and she essentially buys Gendry because she wants to uh, take him and sacrifice him and do all this stuff. And, and I, I wrote down that I, I, I can't decide how – and I like Gendry. I think he's a good character. But I, the show is clearly trying to suggest that he's a very important figure in all this. And yet, I don't know how effective they are doing it because they keep doing the oh, the, I know why the gold cloaks want him, but do the gold cloaks still care? Like, if no. he went back to King, like, <laughs> do that. And Melisandre needed like, I think it's kind of a, a situation where they're going, ooh, Gendry, like he's going to be a major player in this whole this this whole game. And obviously, I don't know if that comes to pass or not. But right now, he just seems like one of the third or fourth level supporting characters. But I, yeah. but also I feel like the show yeah. is trying to suggest that he's more than that, and I can't decide if it's if the show is not succeeding in that, or if I am overestimating the show's goals. Sure, and I think that's hard for us to judge because we we know the rest of the show. And true, so like, true. Right. Yeah, I, I would say I'm of two minds about it because he does not show up for several more seasons. Like yeah. he's gone for a while. Oh, um, is he? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm not I'm not going to speak too much to that, but I think a lot of of that sort of feeling you're having is based off of Melisandre is purposely build, building it, it up to him right, and making right. and manipulating him into thinking you are meant for a higher purpose when she really just wants to put the leeches on him and then kill him. <laughs> yeah, like I, so so I like I said I'm much, I'm, uh, of two minds about it. I don't know how much of it is the show going no 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 he's important and how much of it is. No, Melisandre's just manipulating sure. him. Yeah. He's really not that important. And I, yeah. I think it is very effective uh, when she's telling him that Robert is his father, and they're looking up at the gorgeous shot of King's Landing and the Red Keep. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, "That's your, ki- that's your father's house." And it's like, ah, that's yeah, uh, that's great. It's a cool agree. scene. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about Gendry a bit because Gendry actually yeah, he's shredded like a ninja turtle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Much like we we talked about Loris with his, his brothers last or a couple episodes ago, the, the show does a lot of consolidation in terms of characters. And so Gendry actually replaces, and this is part of why uh, I think the Melisandre showing up in wherever they're at with the Brotherhood of Banners is a little more jarring, is because mm-hmm. in the books, uh, there's a, a different... Gendry exists, but there's a different character named Edric, um, oh yeah, who is also Robert's bastard, I believe. Um, you're right. You're it's right. either either Roberts or Rinley's. I don't remember exactly. Uh, but he is like I think already on Dragonstone. Yeah, I think he's and, like warded there or something. Yes, and then yeah, they yeah, yeah. they realize like oh he's got King's blood, we can use him, and so they don't have to go get Gendry in the books. It's okay, just, he's there. Um, uh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. And I think the show, it does make it make the logistics a little more difficult because you kind of have, just have to be like, ah, Melisandre's over here. Okay, she got back. Um, sure, sure, sure. But, Magic powers, don't worry about it. <laughs> yes. But uh, I think it does help a lot because, A, we know Gendry, so we, we care more about the stakes. We don't want to see them burn Gendry alive. Um, yeah. And, B, it helps Davos give someone who can re- he can really play off of. Because I don't, he probably interacts with Edric in the books. I don't think he has, like, 
full-fledged comrade. Because Edric is supposed to be more of a boy. Like, he's, he's young. Um, yeah. And so I don't think they really have a, a full conversation, like, full-fledged conversation. And um, there's some really effective stuff with Davos and Gendry in uh, yeah, episode really 10. Yeah, really good stuff. And it's it's really sweet, and I like it a lot. And they're they're bonding over the fact that they're from Flea Bottom and talking about how life was crap there. And Davos is making fun of Gendry because uh, his part of Fle- Gendry's part of Flea Bottom was actually nicer than uh, Jin Ali. Slightly better. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, it's it's really effective, and it, it helps both to expand on Davos and the fact that he just has such a big heart, <laughs> and also mm-hmm. um, expand on the fact that like. I don't know. It, it makes it makes him feel more fleshed out and feel more. I don't know what the words I'm looking for are, but I, I just I think episode ten really is Davos's like coming out party as a yeah. Everyone loves Davos now. He's great. Yeah. Um, no, D- Davos is one of the good. He is like one of the good guys on the show, and as much as there are good guys and bad yes. guys. Um. So a couple, two more small notes about episode six. Um. When Melisandre is there and she's talking to Arya, she says, like, I see all these different eyes, brown eyes, green eyes, blue eyes, that you will close forever. And clearly foretelling that Arya is going to kill people. Um, and I wonder, and you guys could could n- know this with more clarity, how much of that is supposed to be... We're already, we already know some characters Arya is going to kill later. And this is our way of foretelling that. Or they could just be like, these are the three eye colors that human beings have, so Arya might kill some people. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Uh, there is... So I was, the the story behind the scenes, and supposedly um, they've said, like the D&D have said, that that was something that... Uh, a line that they used to fit a purpose later. Um, oh, okay. So they acknowledge later, but it's not the last time that line will be referenced. So I'll, I'll say that. Okay. Much. So, okay, cool. We'll, we'll put um, a pin to that. And the other thing was, uh, there's a scene with Jamie and Brienne and Roos at dinner and Nikolai Coster Waldo does some great prop comedy with his, with, with trying to cut <laughs> meat with one hand. And then eventually Brienne just like stabs it and holds it down while he cuts it. It was great. <laughs> uh, so I kind of want to, if we can, I kind of want to go through the episodes talking about how they built up to Castamere and then settle back down because um, the way we we talked about in season two so much of it is built around Blackwater and it's, at, at times that seems to make the show drag I mm. think it was kind of the opposite in this season where yes. like we we as the viewers know and if you have familiarity with the books or you've seen it before we all know that Reigns of Castamere is like the episode of the season and in many ways the episode of the series maybe like it's certainly one of the pivotal moment and the whole season builds up to it. Like they play Reigns of Castamere in so many fashions throughout this season. Mm-hmm. It's constant. Like it's it's the DVD menu music <laughs> online. Yeah. Uh, but in episode eight, I thought they really smartly uh, in Tyrion and Sansa's wedding, which is all kinds of things. I love how they use that as an explanation of wedding traditions, so that then when they get to that in the red wedding they can just go the bedding ceremony this yeah. kind of situation they're gonna say this stuff yeah. to be like okay do you get it now i don't have to explain it in mm-hmm. in uh castamere we can just do it but all of that is so like joffrey taking the stool away so then sansa has to kneel down for Tyrion to put the cloak on her is just gut-wrenching and like 
I love the scene the next morning when Shay comes in and realizes that that, that they didn't sleep together when she pulls yeah. the to change the bedspread and she's like, "Oh, this didn't happen. That's that's great." Like I thought Sybil Kakili was really brilliant in episode eight. She doesn't I, say mm-hmm. a lot, but there are a lot of scenes where like Tyrion is kind of talking to Sansa about stuff. In the background, you'll see Shay and her brows are kind of furrowed and she's just very quietly playing this like deep hurt and anger that i thought was really uh well done yeah i'm i'm not the biggest fan of shay's character at this point mostly because i'm i'm kind of confused about what her angle is maybe you Mm. maybe y'all can enlighten me a bit because she seems like irrationally like jealous Mm mm-hmm and and angry at Tyrion when it's not his fault, and he keeps saying over and over again, "This is not my fault. My father is ordering me to do this." Like, I thought we already established the "I am yours and you are mine" thing. Like, this, <laughs> what do you want me to do? I don't know. It, it felt, it, it seemed a little off for me because she seemed to be so, like such a straight shooter in earlier seasons, and now she's, I don't know. I found it kind I of think- problematic. I think a lot of it, the way I've been interpreting it is it's just compounded. She has lived her life with a certain amount of freedom, it seems, since coming to Westeros. And I think she's just like, I'm so fed up of all these courtly politics keeping me and Tyrion from getting to like openly just be together. And now we are literally not allowed to... Like, he's literally married somebody else. And it may not be, I'm jealous of Sansa because she stole you and you like this. It's a, I'm, I am, why is, why, we don't need any of these rules. You're knuckling under to all these things. When I met you, you weren't having knuckle under things. And I'm just so sick of all the court. It's kind of like how Sansa was mean to her because Sansa was like, I'm just going to get mad at you because everything else. Right is is just crushing me, and and that's kind of my interpretation is that it's it's manifesting in jealousy when really it's just I'm so sick of the overall scenario that I'm in and how it's denying me and Tyrion so much. Right. Okay. I guess it, it's it's kind of her specific points where she's like, "Oh, Sansa's pretty. Are you going to enjoy being with her or whatnot?" I mm. I don't know. It, it seemed a little I, little weird. I think also yeah. for me the way I I tend to read it is that there's an element of if if you don't think you can make this work just say so um which we see a little bit in these episodes where for one she tries to convince him to go sail away to the to essos and just party in a free city somewhere uh which he totally should have done it probably would have been a better experience for him um and then also uh there's specifically the the conversation she has with Varys in um, episode 10. Uh, again, two characters who we yeah. would never have seen. A, a plus that way in the book. scene. Um, and Varys is like trying, trying to convince her and is genuinely saying, I think Tyrion is one of the best hopes for this, these kingdoms. You, you know, I, I really yeah. think it would be best if you just left. And she's like, well, he should tell me then. And I don't think at any point he ever does. <laughs> so it's kind of yeah. like, I think there's the frustration there too of like it feels like she feels like she's not wanted there and ultimately it doesn't make sense for Tyrion to continue to try to like find a way to fit her into his life and he really should just yeah. be like I'm I'm just cutting it off I'm just <laughs> like yeah yeah that she's like if either leave the court and let's be together or stay in the court and break up with me because I'm yeah. not going to do like 
regardless of what your feelings are, the reality of the actions will be this, and yes. I don't like that. Um, episode 8, also, my first note is Davos learning to read is my favorite movie. So, <laughs> all of that throughout this, it's so sweet and wonderful. Not to, like, infantilize him, I just thought that was really great. Um, the nudity in this episode is directed very tastefully. Michelle McLaren, I think, really knew how to, like, okay, here's nudity with, like, Daenerys and with Melisandre, but it's not like, do you get it? Well, and that's, I think that applies to um, 8 and 7, um, because yes. uh, in both of the, those are, like, the only two episodes that have any sort of sex scenes, um, and yeah. both of them are, in, in one, it's being used against Theon uh, for reasons. Oh, yeah. So Ramsey can do things. And then in the other one, it's uh, being used against Gendry for the leeches. Um, and so it's like the, those are the only two examples in this entire set that really get into that. It's kind of nice. That, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we've, we've gotten a little bit away from the uh, sort of rampant, <laughs> just like nudity yeah, of just, season two. Yeah, just sort of explicit, yeah. Um, also, the, the title of the episode, Second Sons, is of course a reference to the the sellsword group, but also a lot of the focal characters in that episode are second sons, mm -hmm. uh, Tyrion, the Hound, Stannis, uh, and even Sam kind of, cause Sam talks about like yeah. my dad was. And so he always saw my younger brother as like his primary son or like, or his mm -hmm. younger brother is the heir to Horn Hill. So Sam is in a sense, the second son, which I thought was neat. Um, and I have a, a a quote here that says, and so my watch begins. Oh, that was Tyrion. Okay, just got it. That was Tyrion on the night of... Yes. On his wedding night, where he's like, I'm not going to touch you until you want me to. And she's like, what if I never want you to? And he says, and so my watch begins. Which well, I thought was a, great. Well, it's such a powerful moment when, when uh, you know, he's just drunk out of his mind trying to have a conversation with her in their room. And he's like, how old are you again? And she's just like, yeah, 14 and it just dawns on him like, nope, nope, not doing it. Ain't going to happen. Yeah. No no way, no how. As as much as I've complained about this show and its various depictions of sexual things, this is worth pointing out. Hey, if this guy can be just so blind drunk and still make the right choice, <laughs> then boy, fellas. It's kind of like in the during the first season of Daredevil, I saw these memes going around that were like, hey, if um, Kingpin can communicate honestly with a woman about, <laughs> and respect her wishes to not be with him and have like a an honest conversation and then go bash a guy's head in with a car door like if even that guy can be this respectful of a woman's wishes yeah which i thought was cool. good stuff um yeah and the also in that scene uh because the, the where he says and so my watch begins um mm -hmm. sans is like what if i never want to be with you and there's this sort of it's the way Dinklage plays it is so it's like heartbreaking, yeah. and like he he's you know he's hurt obviously by the fact that yeah. like she can envision the fact that she may just never want to be with him, which is fair. And he's like, oof, <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's rough. And then it just kind of drives home the like it's not even about oh but I want you it's oh because of who I am and yeah. how you see me and how you see my whole family and like yeah. all the things that you've been put through and. Like, he stands up for her a lot. In that scene with Tywin in, in the last one, he, he, Tywin's like, you're going to get her pregnant one way or the other. And he's like, not one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. like, It'll be one way or nothing. Yeah, or not. Like, I'm j 
I, I I love how this show is just drives further and further home like the ultimate goodness of Tyrion's heart and also the uh how his hair is getting less and less blonde as the show goes <laughs> on. It's almost <laughs> as though he's moving away from his Lannisterness <laughs> and becoming a better person. Um yeah, what else? The episode eight is also where we have Arya and the Hound chilling outside of uh the towers. Yeah. And uh or the twins, sorry, and uh she's like keep staring at it and he's like, he's not going to go anywhere. It's going to be fine. I'm going to take you back. It's fine. Yeah. Oof. Which is also well, so, like, so if he had delivered her early and she had been there, like probably would not have been a good thing. Sure. Or, or would that have somehow like, or the butterfly yeah. beat its wings and then who knows? So in reigns of Castamere, I noticed a couple of one, the whole opening, the, the open with the bread and salt, uh, being eaten the guest right being invoked mm. uh, just to like really drive home. And I think Walder Frey says something about like, you are now guests in my home and I will protect you. So it's just like, <laughs> narrator, going. he didn't. <laughs> and the whole scene with the daughters is, is really funny. Like I love the way Tobias Menzies as Edmure plays that where he, every time they introduce one of the daughters, Edmure's like, uh huh. Okay. What's like the, the, the the kind of gross average of women here. <laughs> like, how do I feel about that? And then there's the one where Walder's trying to figure out the names of one of his daughters, and he's like, Wilhelmina, Wilhelmina, Weldina. And then she's like, I'm Mary. And he says, fine. That's <laughs> so good. So funny. Uh, but I, I noticed a couple of parallels, and this may be reading into it, but in this episode, two Starks um, plead for mercy. Uh, Arya pleads or entreats the Hound not to kill the Hog Farmer mm-hmm. to, to to spare his life. There, there's a Stark choosing peace over needless violence. Later, Jon um, ch- is pleading with the Wildlings not to kill the Horse be- Breeder. Again, yeah. saying there's a way to get what we want without being violent. There's a way to do this while sparing someone's life. And at the end, two Starks are killed by needless violence. Which I thought was an interesting parallel. Uh, there's also, as we mentioned, where Bran and Rickon are very close to John, where you have one member of the family very close to two members of the family, which kind of echoes Arya being so close to Robin Cowan. Yeah. Uh, and then you also have John betraying Egret, and her. Well, yeah, yeah, I would say he betrays Egret, mm-hmm. which is not exactly a parallel, but it like it kind of keeps setting up this idea of like betrayal and near misses. And how the Starks are a family that ultimately want to find a a merciful, just path path through the world, and how hard that is when you live in a world with the Freys and the Lannisters and the Cleganes. Yep. Uh, which I thought all of that was just really, really uh, well done. And then, you know, the Red Wedding happens and is great. Shall we just talk about uh, well, it? Well, I was going to say right before that, too, uh, Talisa reveals that she wants to name their son Eddard. Which is like no, j- no, stop! Don't, it. don't, don't say what you want to do after the war, and don't name the child. Yeah, <laughs> Gilly didn't say. name her child, and she's fine. But but uh, Daenerys did, and uh, that didn't yeah, work out. Yeah, so like what? That's you know, true. Maybe maybe Gilly's That's onto true. something here. <laughs> Gilly is so great. I like her a yes. lot. I love all the stuff with her and Sam. I think it's all so sweet. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, and episode eight, Sam killed the White Walker. Yeah. 
that's like a huge thing that happens. <laughs> and it's so cool. And he's the first in a thousand years. Uh, so the Red Wedding. Yep. It's it's so, like, the way that it continues to try and lull you and lull the characters into a false sense of security where everyone's getting kind of drunk, Roos is yeah. r- refusing to drink, and it's Roos. like, oh, well, he we set that up, so it's fine. Like, that's not weird. It's fine. Everyone's yeah, yeah. fine. Uh, J- Jamie, Jamie and, and him have a conversation where he said he doesn't. And then Jamie and earlier, I, d- I don't know if this is episode six or was in last our last set, um, but when Roos is drinking with Jamie uh, or eating with Jamie, uh, Bruce is like, oh, no, I don't drink. And Jamie's like, you understand yeah. how suspicious that looks to the rest of us, right? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> about that. Um, and, and yeah, it's it's just slowly, like, getting everyone, you know, there, there's fun. Like, there's actual jokes. Like, the phrase are kind of yeah, dissipating yeah. and joking and, and talking. And, um, you know, they're, they're all just kind of hanging out. And the blackfish is talking about how he has to go pee. So he leaves, yeah. and you know everything's Thus saving his life. <laughs> everything seems fine, and it's like mm. the the and just the series of small revelations that build when they they shut the doors, and Catelyn's like, "What's this about?" And uh, yeah. like Bruce looking down at his sleeve to make her be like, "Hey, hey, you wanna you wanna see what's under here? You wanna you wanna take a look?" <laughs> um, yeah, and he's wearing the the mail. Yes. Yeah. It's uh and then of course and she recognizes the song. Mm-hmm. And and she has that further just a further twist the knife. She he has this thing about the bedding ceremony and she's like, We didn't have a bedding ceremony at mine because Eddard wouldn't uh, Ned wouldn't allow it. Yeah. He said it wouldn't be good for him to break a man's jaw on our wedding night. <laughs> and it's like, again, the Starks don't want to be violent. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it's uh, it's a lot, and that it, that it starts out with obviously uh, I think it's Blackwater uh, Rivers runs over and just vi- horribly stabs Talisa in her stomach, mm-hmm. which is just awful, and so so there's and and then you know Ross Rob Ross Ross from Friends is there <laughs> no Ross the the prostitute just shows up Ross the prostitute right. <laughs> Even Gunther couldn't save him. And she gets uh, shot no, by Rob, another crossbow. She gets shot by another crossbow. <laughs> and she's like, ugh, I lose more blood that way. <laughs> Again? I liked Roz. Um, <laughs> but Rob gets hit by a crossbow, and he falls down. And Catelyn gets hit, too. But then, like, there's this moment towards the end yes. where Catelyn... And, and we need... I don't, we haven't talked about it much. Michelle, Michelle Fairley is swear word fantastic on this tv mm-hmm. show she's so good yep. as catelyn like throughout the whole thing but particularly in this scene she's so just screaming her her voice out and just like tears everywhere like and, she's so good in and it. it's so strained it's not it's not like she's just shouting it's like no, a very no, no. particular anguish that l- sticks with you like the image of her screaming as as she's yeah. standing there and getting her throat cut like is um, and and well, just like it's and, and than she's just that she she howls in pain. She slits Walder Frey's yeah. wife's throat open, and then she just stands there in shock. Yeah, that's the haunting part. And the camera just slowly zooms in on her as she's just like completely broken, and then she gets her throat <laughs> slit. Like that's that's the most haunting thing of all to me. And then just absolute yeah. silence. Yes. <laughs> just... 
Crushing. I think it's the only episode, certainly so far, where there's been no music over the credit. Mm-hmm. But I really there's this there's this brief moment where you think I mean, I don't know that anyone really is convinced that like it might turn out okay, but she's trying to yeah. reason with, with Walder about and I it's 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 less about will Walder listen and more maybe they could survive because Rob is standing. Mm-hmm. He obviously is in worse shape than Catelyn. But he's standing there and he's you know, after he's like stood up after cradling Talisa. So there's this like almost like tiny tiny whisper in your head like will they is Talisa the loss yeah. is Talisa and the betrayal and then uh Roos shows up and of course the Lannister's in their regards yes. stabs Rob and and he said the last thing he says is mother and he like maintains eye contact with her the whole time he's stabbed and then falls and then yeah she yeah everything that Alex said and it's 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 awful and I and there are some changes from the book one in the book Roos says Jamie Lannister sends his regards. Yes. Because to echo that, like, Jamie had said that, like, oh, well, send Rob and my it, regards. And it was, like, him. sort of genuine. Like, it was like, ah. Uh, you yeah. know, the, the, I have a cheeky frenemy relationship with them. It's mostly enemy, right. but I have, a, I have a fun relationship with them. Send, tell them I send their regards. Or send our regards. And I and I think that they, they changed it for the show because D&D were like, we don't want anyone to misunderstand and think yes. that Jamie had anything to do with this. Because, yes. like... He didn't. It was all Tywin and Walder Frey. And also in, in the book, I remember feeling like it's not necessarily it's not that the book is more violent. It's just there are more characters with names. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of those like random Stark bannermen getting killed are they like there's a actually a, a Mormont there. Mm-hmm. Daisy Mormont. She's I don't know that she ever says anything, but it's just like and at the hall there were such and such umber and so and so. No. Car Stark, whatever, and so you're just it would it was talking about these various characters getting cut down, so it seemed worse, but it's not there are a bunch of characters you knew, yeah, and she doesn't kill his wife, she kills his son, who was like their court jester, his name was i think I think his name might have been jingles <laughs> um, that sounds right. Cause I remember that because he he wore a hat with bells on it, and I remember it talking about in the book uh, about how she heard like the bells of his hat shake as after she cut his throat and he fell to the ground. Um, which, obviously, I'm glad that, that would have been <laughs> kind of a silly thing. May not have translated. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's... it's and, and, and the Arya is there, and Arya has to watch Grey Wind get shot. Yeah. That's... Oh, my God. <laughs> not Grey Wind... If you had to pick one of the characters from the Wed Wedding to have survived, who would it have been? I feel like That's a good question. I feel like it's got to be Rob. I feel like, yeah, it's just he, he, I don't know. But then again, I don't know that he would have accomplished anything because he probably would have been like, "I'm going to go kill myself because yeah. uh, Talisa's dead." So. I'll go with Talisa because then she would have young Eddard Stark and then we'd have a whole Dune scenario. <laughs> <laughs> I I would I would have said Catelyn, but I don't think she could have I don't think she could have gone on. Like no. I so I'm gonna say Grey Wind. That's fair. Because then Grey Wind could have just like 
joined up with anybody else and been like, I'm now your best friend, Sam. And the the way the show is shot leaves you just enough of a moment to be like, man, what if what if Arya had like realized what was happening in time to go let him free? Would would that have changed anything? Yeah. Could he have could he have helped? I don't know. Sure. Could he and Nymeria be off somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. More that. Yeah. I. Uh, in the book as well, we, we've talked many times about how Talisa is not in the book. That's Jane Westerling. And in the book, Jane Westerling isn't at the Red Wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also, I don't believe she's ever stated to be pregnant. So I think there are some reader theories out there that yeah. Jane is alive and pregnant. And, that you know, she could have Rob's child. Who could, but I think the show was like, we don't want to have any supposition that like, oh, like no Talisa's there and she's gonna die because we don't want there to be any theories about Rob's son is gonna grow up and avenge him like no that's done like this is this is the end of this part of the of of the show which Tyler you mentioned how they wrap up the politicking like this wraps up much of that war Mm -hmm. like now we really are following a bunch of other things and and the rhythm is very different yes Yeah, it's just incredible. And awful. Um, <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Ooh, what are some other things? Uh, most of my notes well, are very and, and, small things, if anyone has any bigger. Yeah, well, so going into episode 10, they continue to kind of echo things where Bran tells a story about gods not forgiving hosts that murder guests. So mm-hmm. there's that. Um, uh, we get Sam and Bran finally meeting, which is awesome. That whole scene made me so happy (laughs) when Sam's like, oh yeah, you're Bran. I know you and I've spent enough time with Ghost and I've heard all about Hodor and Hodor's like, Hodor. (laughs) Hodor I'm like, (laughs) delightful. I just want you two to be, be pals. Um, Davos bonding with Gendry, we talked about Varys and Shay. That's a terrific scene. Um... Arya. Oh, when when Davos is talking with Stannis about um, whether or not to kill Gendry, it's framed so that Stannis is in the center of the frame, and Melisandre mm-hmm. and Davos are standing over either of his shoulders. Right. It's also, one of my favorite. Cool. I, I really love that quote where where Stannis is like, "It's it's one bastard boy. What is he against a kingdom?" And Davos is like, "Everything. You, you can't." we can't if you get utilitarian you're gonna end up like murdering half the country just like yeah be a human and not a machine and and davos has and he has the great line about uh, oh i think he says it to gendry gendry's like why are you helping me and he says because it's right and i'm a slow learner yeah it's just so good Uh, but then obviously this is a a big turning point because of course sam comes back to winterfell to to winterfell to the wall and talks to Maester Aemon. That's mm-hmm. right, our old it's, buddy. It's so nice to see him again. It <laughs> is. Just... And we all and Pip. Pip is back. Yeah. And when John wakes up, he's like, Pip. <laughs> my, Sam, Sam's my like true what you, love. What, what, John. Oh, what Sam, doing? hi. <laughs> but uh but he talks to Aemon about the White Walkers and Craster and all this. And so then I don't we don't see anybody else react. Yeah, at least in this episode. But Davos is the one who goes, ooh, White Walkers. There's White Walkers. Yeah. Lord Commander's dead. Stannis, we got to go help because there's White Walkers now. 
which was nice to see Stannis finally do something at D- Davos's council. <laughs> we also get Stannis laughing, which is uh, horrifying. Yeah. When uh, yeah. Melisandre is like, actually, Davos, you're fine. We need you. And mm-hmm. Stannis is just kind of like, well, whatever. <laughs> Are we, at this point, supposed to be questioning to whom is Melisandre truly loyal? Because there are times when I'm like, and obviously you guys know how the show turns out, but I'm like, I I don't, is she, how much is she I, on Stannis' side? I think that's the vibe that she's yeah. supposed to continue to give off. So Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I was going to say, also in, in episode 10, there's a line from Tyrion. Um, there, there's actually a, a conversation between Cersei and Tyrion that I wanted to point out. Mm. where um, Cersei is, like, actually being vulnerable and genuine, and she's, like, acknowledging that Joffrey is a monster. and yeah. But she's like, I, I don't, like, he was a boy, and I loved him, and, like, he was all I had because I hated Robert. And, um, the you know, if you give Sansa a child, she'll have someone to care about, um, yeah. which is a heartbreaking idea. And uh, there's also a line in there where Tyrion is, like, because they're they're basically talking about how long is this going to go on? How long are we going to continue to just like be in this on like onslaught of violence? And uh, Tyrion says, every time we we kill an enemy, we create two more, which is very prescient, yeah. I think, just for everybody in the show. Like, there's just <laughs> constant. No one, no one just cleanly ties things up and then moves on with their lives. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do like how the show consistently brings back, like, Cersei is human, like, she does ha- love her children. And 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 this has the uh, Jamie coming back to King's Landing. And he the, he and Cersei reunite. And that, mm-hmm. that it's, it's weird to say it's touching, <laughs> but, like, there's something kind of, like, aw. <laughs> Mostly, yeah. I guess, for Jamie at this yeah. stage, because we like Jamie more than we like Cersei. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I, it, the, the show does an interesting thing with Cersei and Jamie, where, like, yeah, they're incestuous and, like, gross, but also, like, Jamie is super loyal. Like, gen- he is genuinely a loyal person. And that, and he does have a heart and does try to do the right thing, as we saw with uh, his story about the Mad King. And Cersei, yeah, she's awful, but she does love her children. <laughs> It's kind of like that pro ZD vine where he's like a, a super villainous guy, but he's a really good dad. <laughs> yeah. I, I really uh, love... It would take me like seven seconds to recap that. I really love um, Brienne and... and Ty- Tywin. Brienne and Jamie coming back uh, into the city, and they're yeah. just like... They look awful and dirt splattered, mm-hmm. and nobody recognizes Jamie. And they tell him to get out of the way. It's good stuff. Yeah, country boy. And I like how... <laughs> and Kyburn's just yeah. standing back there like, I could make a lot of zombies here. <laughs> it's like, ah. They've let <laughs> me in. <laughs> um, <laughs> if we don't have any other major things, I want to talk... There are, there are a couple things in episode eight I wanted to mention. Um, yeah. First of all, Barristan looks like Obi-Wan. Uh, and it's fascinating. He does. He does. <laughs> He's got like the hood and everything. Um, second, there's a, in the conversation with, we haven't really talked, I guess about um, Dario and 
the other two <laughs> that are with him yeah. that get killed by Dario. Um, I do like that. Mm-hmm. I like that plot line of like I I really like the way uh, Ed Screen Ed Screen Ed Screen Ed Screen. I like the way that he uh, plays that where uh, he gets mm-hmm. the coin that's supposed to tell him he has to go kill Daenerys, and he's like Valar Markubus. Good yeah. stuff. Um, but anyway, uh, he's arguing with Jorah, I think, or he's arguing with Daenerys over the fact that um, his. Or maybe it's maybe it's their original leader guy. I don't know. Somebody who is yeah. for the se- pro second sons is uh, is talking to Daenerys about it, and um, the Daenerys is like, "How are you going to beat me?" Yes, it is. It is the captain, and he's like, "How are you?" Daenerys says, "How are you going to beat me?" Because you know I've got way more men than you, and um, the captain guy is like, "Well, I've faced the second sons have faced worse odds and run," and Jorah's like, "The second sons have faced worse odds and run." And uh, <laughs> he's just very smug and like happy with him for saying that. Uh, and uh, I like that. And then yeah. um, I also really liked Avos and Stannis' reaction to the leech scene where they walk in and they're just like, what is this? I mean, they had um, my reaction? Yeah, like, like oh, no. <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> so was it would have been great if they'd opened the door, looked around, and then just slowly closed the door. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave them be. Ooh. No, stop, come back. <laughs> um, we also haven't really talked about Theon and Ramsay and what's going on with them. Right. I mean, and, and as as well done as those scenes are, each scene is pretty much Ramsay monologues mm-hmm. and Theon loses another part of himself. <laughs> right. I, I really like Balon's reaction in the last episode where he's like, well... My son doesn't have a penis anymore. I guess uh, that's that. <laughs> he's not my son. <laughs> I have no son. And he's like, I've seen seven. I don't want to deal with this. You open the box. I, I do really like how with with the TV show with this kind of budget, and I guess I don't know if Game of Thrones was like super popular at this point. Um, I think at this point it was this prod. We could uh, The Red Wedding certainly like skyrocketed yeah. it. But I really like how they're able to have characters disappear for whole seasons and then mm-hmm. come back for, like, a single scene. It's the same actor. It's the same set. Like, I love that that level of continuity. And I know there there is some stuff that's not. But um, yeah. I feel like for the most part there's a concentrated effort to have this be as consistent as possible. Um, even yeah. if stuff kind of disappears for huge swaths of the story. Yeah. The Balon can just come back and then be like, well, I guess he's Faramir now. Yara, you want to be Boromir? <laughs> and then she's... And I like the end of the... One, her, the ending of her thing is that she's going to sail off and go save Theon, or attempt to save Theon. Um, so Ed Scrain, this is the last we will see of him as Dario, right? He is. He's out? Yes, he's yep. out. Yeah. Apparently, I was reading up on it. Apparently, it was because he got cast in the Transporter reboot. Oh, no! Now, at least that's what's been... That was what I saw, is that it was a matter of, like, he got cast in that, and it wouldn't, like, jive with the the shooting schedule. Oh, no. Dario's, like, a main supporting character, too. Like, he... He gets screen time. <laughs> like, he... Yeah. So I wonder I wonder if there was some other 
something else. You know, if there was some Melisandre in his ear, like, no, you should be, you should be the lead of a, of the, a film. The trans, you should be the trans. Well, I, I do wonder. Think in that of all case the things because, you'll carry. Like, I think Jason Statham for his transporter movies, like he got three of those. Sure. So maybe he was thinking, well, if this one does well, then I get sequels. Yeah, Whereas, yeah, that's you know, certainly. with Game of Thrones, who knows if, if Ed Screen read the books or not. Maybe he's like, I don't even know if Dario, and how long he goes we, on for. We are also quickly yeah. burning through Daenerys' uh, book material. So it's right. like, it is hard right. to know where that goes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I do like the idea of him, like, so his agent taking him by, like, I don't know. What what's adjacent Parker the set of Parker or something and going, that's that's Jason Statham that's your father's house, <laughs> right there. You got you got Statham blood in you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Because yeah, there's there's a whole book in the series that Daenerys is not in <laughs> at yes. all. She's not in Feast for Crows. Yes. Next next season continues to more or less be on the same track. Where I think mm. we will we will set aside some time when we begin season five to just like let's just talk about this because uh, yeah. George, George really uh, put him in a bind. <laughs> I'll say that much. Um, right. But at least for now, we're still mostly just on pace. Sure. Yeah, because four and five are supposed to be simultaneous. They just take place... Like, he divided it by region yeah. rather than by time. But there are some characters who do show up in both. And yeah. so, like, there's some like, overlap. I think is in both. Um, I think Dance with Dragons, the fifth one, is a little bit bigger than the fourth one. So it's like, yeah. eh, <laughs> This is a nightmare! Yeah. Um, it's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure D&D at that point were like, uh, that's okay, guys. You know the 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 book readers they're they're big fans. They know they know what the that the books are a little messy right now. They'll they'll be understanding and forgiving. Um, anyway, <laughs> and they were, <laughs> and everything was great. Yeah. The end. Uh, do we have any other last salient points on what is perhaps the best stretch we've run into so far? Um, Grey Worm is dope. Yes. Allow me to just stake that claim, <laughs> make that point that I think Grey Worm is awesome. More like Great Worm. Great Worm. No, I think we hit on everything. Alex, do you have anything else? Do you like Game of Thrones? <laughs> That's a leading question. But the answer is yes. <laughs> Greats, how, how are we feeling about season three? A plus, perfect season. Um, what did I give the last two? Did I do A minus and A minus? Yep. I do an A plus. Let's go for it. Yeah, I'm also doing A plus. I think. Yeah. The season accomplishes everything it sets out to do and more, and helps yeah. us really effectively uh, have some heartbreak and have some uh, some momentum for characters moving forward. And Podrick yeah. got to have a wonderful evening with the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> he sure did. I, <laughs> I like, um, well, and I like how this, uh, this season, and I think it's because in season two, Blackwater wasn't really something that anybody was hiding. That wasn't like, 
it was like, yeah, the Blackwater, they're going to attack. There's going to yeah. be a big fight later. So we're all just kind of waiting for that fight to happen. And in this, everyone behind the scenes and who read the books knows that, yeah, we're Red Wedding. That's coming up. It's mm-hmm. get ready. So we are building to it, but we can't tell the audience that that's coming. So we're going to still make it really. In... And also they had more money. Like, yeah. It was, it's had a lot more. They and could, that's, uh, that's the thing is I'm, I'm sure they and do. I don't know all the numbers here. But, like, I'm sure after yeah. Blackwater paid off so well, because, I mean, Game of Thrones continued to uh, skyrocket through the entirety of the the series. Like, I think right. by, by this point it was already pretty well watched, but I think it probably had, like, tripled by the end of the, the show. Like, it just, every season, more I'm and more sure. people tuned in. Which is also yeah. probably why the, by season eight, the discussion had gotten so sort of insane and or toxic um, in a lot of spaces. Mm-hmm. Um but I think the it really feels like they got a budget boost and then they didn't really have anything that was as big a scale as Blackwater. So they were able to divide everything more evenly and also like yeah. not have anything or have all that be significantly higher in yeah. terms of like it yeah. would have been anyway, even if they did have a big battle. So I, I thought the, the special effects throughout were were wonderful yeah, right like when Ygritte and john get to the top of the wall and we have that mm-hmm. view it's not just like it's a pretty image it's almost it, it is like oh that looks real mm-hmm. like i'm not yeah it, i'm not getting the the george lucas-esque like green screen vibe yeah. from it it looks real um yeah and then th- that scene that you were talking about britain where bruce kind of runs up and he sees the the burning the all the the yeah. Starkmen getting massacred below, like that looks really, really good. Um, even the bear that's attacking Brienne, yeah. like mm-hmm. very, very well done. Yeah. That is a uh, Bart the bear. He does have an IMDb page, and oh I entreat everyone to go read his IMDb page because it is adorable. <laughs> um, it has his birth date and all his film credits, cre- credits, including where he was thanked. <laughs> so. <laughs> Everyone go check out Bart the Bear's IMDb page. It's awesome. Uh, the I did want to mention, that's a good point, um, the dragon designs in this show are very good. Like, they're just very yeah. solid, cool fantasy dragon designs that are, like, just lizardy enough and just sort of, like, the, uh-huh. the glands they've got for the fire in their their mouths and the way their teeth work and the the way this, the yeah. ripples on the scales. It's just a really cool design. Like, they're, they're really good-looking, classic straight up dragons um, that work really well in this yeah. world where they're supposed to be kind of uh, more grounded. Um, so they have to mm-hmm. make them look very detailed and, and like a creature that could exist, even if they do have ma- yeah. magic infused in them. Uh, and I, I've and noticed I like that you more say in this yeah. set of episodes. And I like you say they're straight up dragons. Like they don't try to, well, our take on dragons mm-hmm. is that, you know, they were raised in an asylum, and so they're, like, really messed up, and, like, <laughs> the caterpillar that they meet does a lot of, like, drugs and gets them high, and the white rabbit It, it took me there. far too long to figure out what you were going for there. That's because I started with a Joker, and then I ended up in Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> hey, welcome to my twisted mind, you guys. <laughs> Society. Um, <laughs> too true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have like a major recommendation, but I do want to mention there's a cool, uh, if 
IMDb page for Bart the Bear. So. Yes, honestly, I do recommend that. It's very heartwarming. Um, no, uh, we talked a lot, or I talked a lot about Diana Rigg and how great she is on this show and how hilarious and wonderful Olena is. Yep. And if you want to see more old British women being great, uh, there's a documentary called Tea with the Dames. It is a really nice, like, cozy come down after the Red Wedding. <laughs> it is uh, a doc. It's a documentary about um, dames Judy Dench, Maggie Smith, Eileen Atkins, and Joan Plowright, um, all historic actresses, who apparently are all just like genuine pals and like meet every weekend to just like have tea and chat. And it just like is about that. <laughs> like, there's a little bit of you know them reminiscing about the old days. They talk a lot because they all worked with Lawrence Olivier. And so they all tell their stories about Joan Plowright was married to him. And so they talk about Lawrence Olivier and I've never been a big Lawrence Olivier fan, but as I've gotten older, I found him really interesting. And so those conversations are interesting. And it's also just really like Maggie Smith is a really funny person and they all just like roast each other. Like they actually all go after Judy Dench a lot, which is pretty charming. Like they're just like, four pals being very classy and very funny and uh it's just a nice like cozy little little movie like uh, just i don't know just a good time with good pals i think i watched it on a hulu and so i think that's where you can find it but if you need something just kind of nice and sweet to watch i recommend tea with the dames yeah i started a bunch of movies and not many of them were great, so I went into the vault. I, uh, I actually do have a movie recommendation Ooh. this week, and it's not yeah. like a silly one. Because um, I got, okay. I got, a, I just, I watched. You some... saying my dames are silly? <laughs> you calling my dames silly, son? <laughs> I was. It's more talking about my my previous uh, recommendations, which include, <laughs> as the attentive viewer will remember. Uh, the subtitles for The Last of Us Two. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I I just watched I, some. They were good movies, but they had no connection to each other whatsoever. Um, and so there were there were a couple that I'm not going to recommend, but were very good because I watched uh, Spotlight, which was mm. uh, very good. Uh, yeah, excellent cast, very good screenplay. I think it did it win. It the won Oscar? best picture. Yeah. Oh, for best picture. Yeah. I don't realize that. Yeah. Um, did did it also win best screenplay? Is that am I making that up? I think so. Okay. I think it did. That was all I saw. The, the Wikipedia page was formatting weird, so I must have missed that. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think is I don't know what all it was up yeah, against. It's a great but movie. It was, it was well deserved. It's a good movie. Yeah, I agree. And 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 it's not very. I think there was some flack against it for not being very like stylistic. Sure. But I think that that makes you pay more attention to the events and the characters, yeah. which is kind of the point of that movie. Right. And the the writing and the performances are also good. That like it works really well. Yeah. Um. No, I also watched Eraserhead. Uh, oh wow! Which uh, I could I could just talk about that for hours. I probably should seek professional help if I went to do that. Um, <laughs> it, it was very good, and I will never watch it again. Um, <laughs> okay. But, I have not I have not seen this film, but I have wanted to. Sure. It's. It, it, I mean, I. <laughs> I don't know that I can, in good conscience, <laughs> recommend it. In good, yes, recommend it to anyone. Yeah. Um, but uh, it is fascinating and well done. Um, 
But the movie I'm actually going to recommend is uh, a movie by director Nia DaCosta, who has uh, recently... I th- This movie, the movie I'm recommending is Little Woods, um, oh, which had been on my yeah. radar forever. I, I had just like heard about it somehow, and I was like, oh, that sounds really good. It's uh, Tessa Thompson and Lily James. And I was like, that looks like a thing I would enjoy. And uh, I had just been meaning to watch it forever. I think it's on Hulu right now as well. And uh, mm-hmm. I went to, or I, I at some point I, it like just fell off my my radar, and then uh, she got announced yeah. as the director for uh, Captain Marvel two recently. Yes. And so I was like, yes. okay, I, I finally like you've reminded me of this thing. I should go do that. Um, and I did. And it's it's about uh, Tessa Thompson is like a someone who who is. Uh, smuggling prescription drugs across the Canadian border into North Dakota, I think. And, mm. uh, she's, uh, she was, was captured and then put on or captured, uh, arrested and then put on probation. And so she's trying to like get out of this, this small D- Dakota town and find like a real job in like Washington or somewhere that actually like has like a, a place where she can make a living. She wants to get out, but then Lily James is trapped with her, uh, deadbeat, uh, boyfriend and uh, father of her child, and so like she's stuck in financial quandaries, and it's all about like the difficulties of poverty and, and crime and all that good stuff. Um, it's it's not like bleak, I would say, but it's it's also not uplifting. <laughs> um, it, sure, it's, sure. It will it will make you uh, upset at times, and uh, it's not like a I don't know. It, it it is rough to watch, I would say, but it's it's very very good. Yeah. Um, and uh, also, what's his name? Luke Kirby, isn't it? Um, oh, who okay, is, sure. Uh, who plays Lenny Bruce on Marvelous Miss Maisel? Yeah. And I recognized him, oh, wow. and it took me like five minutes to like piece who he actually was, and I was like, what? Because uh, and he's <laughs> he's good in that. This is fun. He's he's a good actor. Um, awesome. So yeah. That's that's one that has been on my radar as well, and I have I have not yet pulled the trigger, but now I will. It's also pretty short, well, uh, so okay, yeah, nice. Didn't Nia DaCosta? She I think she directed either Invisible Man or no no Candyman. Did she do Candyman? Yes. Is she doing the Candyman yes, remake? I have not okay. seen that. I think it's did that. Is that been shown places? I th- like I don't think it has. It hasn't come I, out. I, in I think it's released. No, I think its release date was already like. I don't think it has been officially pushed back yet because we hadn't gotten to it. It's release date. Gotcha. I don't know. Was it shown at any festivals or anything like that, or would it have done? I don't remember. I feel like there was I, there was already like hype. So I don't even. It, so. I don't even know if it has a trailer, but I may just not be aware because yeah, I, I know Jordan Peele produced it. Yes. So. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure, but uh, I have not seen the original Candyman, but I have been excited to to check that one out because um, it features Yahya Abdul Mateen from Aquaman and Watchmen. Uh, he's great. Who we all enjoy. Mm-hmm. Neat. Well, I got a I got a little woods to visit. <laughs> Alex, do you see anything cool? Yeah, I watched the Fountain. The oh, Darren Aronofsky that, movie. Did you borrow the DVD I've had of, for years and haven't watched yet? <laughs> no, uh, it's on HBO Max. Okay, um, how is it? Uh, it was very, very, very good. I really liked it. Uh, won't quite say loved. I'd need to watch it again. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, it, it it for the people that haven't heard about it, it's it's like this very 
art house type film. It's very abstract about these three different stories from vastly different time periods that are all thematically related. And it's about life oh, like and, Cloud Atlas. And it's about life and death and and the interaction between the two. Um, and it's got Hugh Jackman and Rachel Weiss. Um, it's beautiful. It's very well done. And it's also like an hour and a half. So I feel like that oh. is a – that runtime helps to rein in Darren Aronofsky's indulgent uh, <laughs> tendencies. Uh, uh, apparently it is one of those those issues where he had a longer cut and the studio made it cut him made him cut it down so i don't know if we'll ever get a longer cut but i think the the hour and a half version works just fine so i really i didn't realize it. it was so short yeah oh that's awesome that that is definitely a motivating factor <laughs> for yeah. me no, well, was... i think that had been my hesitance like i was like i, I bet i would really like this but i wonder if it's just going to be a long slog but 90 minutes, yeah. Yeah, both uh, Little Woods and Eraserhead are like an hour and a half, which is why I went for both of them. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Tyler, can you uh, confirm or deny the presence of Scary Ballerina in Eraserhead? Uh, I, I think I can, yes. Or some, some sort of small dancing demon or something? A little bit, yes. I, I know what you're referring to. Why? Okay. What, what is the... Just because that's one of the few things I've heard about Eraserhead. It is creepy. Cool. <laughs> it's a creepy cool. movie. By what means did you watch Eraserhead? I think it's on HBO Max as well. Because um, okay. I think they've got some Criterion stuff. So oh, yeah, that makes sense. They don't have, it's annoying because they okay. don't have... Like, I think Criterion has Mulholland Drive, which I've been meaning to watch. Mm. Um but yeah, that's not yeah. on HBO Max, but I think it is on, like, the actual Criterion channel. So they've only got some okay. deals, not the whole thing. So. I don't know. Okay. Man, that's awesome. Those are good recommendations, guys. Yeah. We know movies. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, was that TNT who did that? I think that's what I was going for. I don't know. Um, well, I, I'm just glad that, you know, sometimes I, I am a little bit wary about the more abstract films because that's not really my my wheelhouse at all yeah so it was nice to 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 get into that and be like wow this is like i'm totally into this yeah that's awesome that's awesome to hear yeah well cool well since i got so many movies to watch you gonna you want to tell them how they can find us yeah you can find us online at here come the sequels.blogspot.com you can find us on twitter at hct sequels uh, you can search for us on spotify itunes and soundcloud and you can email us at here come the sequels at gmail.com don't forget to smash that like button. <laughs> Subscribe. We don't have a YouTube channel. Yeah. Give us a rating and review. Um, I, I think I'm technically not allowed to ask you to like and subscribe because we don't have a YouTube channel. So We, d- we did have a YouTube channel. We did. So. <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But we like the North, remember. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I'm excited to watch season four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm really hyped. I might start that sooner than I normally do start these seasons. Now, so. uh, to set the stage here, Britton, you believe you've watched up through... So, I I don't know exactly how far I got into season four. I believe I have seen The Mountain and the Viper. And I know that sounds like the kind of thing you wouldn't forget having seen. But what I mean is, I don't know if I've seen just that one section mm-hmm. of the episode or that whole episode. Um. 
I know that I have not seen past season four. I have not seen any of season five. But let us assume that we are going into uncharted territory for me. I know, like, two big events. But otherwise, let's assume it's all new for me. Sounds good. Yeah. Exciting. I've been Britain. I've been Tyler. And I've been Alex. And you're having a wonderful night.